Buckle that belt. The neighbor is already threatening to call the cops. He's pissed. If you get anxious, man, you just pop these little guys. People out here looking like Paul Feinbaum trying to tell us what to do with our hair. In my overserved state, I went to the wrong house. No, it was the right house. Okay. Dive bar means the beer is cold, the drinks aren't too expensive, and the hamburgers are great. They are a unified front in doing their very best to keep me between the proverbial navigational beacons. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith Podcast here at Outsider. We have an awesome show today. I'm Marty. Wesley's here. He's got on his uh, working man's PhD Outsider shirt. Yep. Is that what we call it on the site? Travis is... Look at that thing, man. I mean, what, you got your name on it. You ready to change my oil, son? You look good. Look real good. Thank you. Change my oil. I mean, who else wears those kind of shirts? You guys uh, have Jiffy Lube. Bar- like barbers? Maybe barbers somewhere? Yeah, barbers. That's good. You could cut my hair. Give me a tight fade. Faux hawk. Would you let, would you let, would you trust him to cut touch your hair? Uh, no, I would not trust him to cut my hair. I mean, hey, we were talking on the beach yesterday about Flobies. <laughs> Remember the Flobie? I don't remember. Y'all but might I, be too young to remember. I know of it because you and McGee have talked about it numerous yeah, times. Yeah, the Flobie, Flobie's an interesting thing. It's basically like getting your hair cut with a vacuum cleaner. Sucks all the hair up into the vacuum cleaner thing, and it has some snippers in there or something. I guess you can dial it in to whatever bowl cut you want, <laughs> run that thing right over top of the Flow and the Flobie. It just uh, cuts it right up, trims it up is, real nice. Is your nice hair insured? Is your hair insured? My hair should be insured, man. You I, should insure that. I sometimes get nervous, man. I get nervous of, of what I'm looking at. You know, you watch him cut your hair. And as it's unfolding, see, the thing about my hair is, see Wes's hair, lay, look at how nice it lay, what lays right over on his head there. Like, just right over there. This is years and years of Georgia uh, frat swoop. You do. You look like you belong on Fraternity Row in Athens, Georgia. Yeah, 100%. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. Do they I'm wear bow ties somewhere. in Georgia like they do at Ole Miss? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure some of them. Some did you get dressed up do. for? Did you get dressed up for football games to go watch? Did I get dressed up? No, I, like usually, I, I usually worked at the football games while all my fraternity brothers were getting hammered. I drunk. don't get that dressing up thing in the the South with football games. It's I think that's stupid. You think it's stupid? Well, that's because yeah. all you guys up there in OHIO were wearing parkas and sweat like triple sweatpants and thermal underwear, and I mean. You look like a Michelin man walking into Ohio Stadium. Um, Travis has on an amazing T-shirt today. And the reason that he is wearing that amazing T-shirt today is he's sucking up to our guest. We have one of the coolest guests we've ever had on the Marty Smith podcast, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Woo! 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 People here in Ocean City Coffee are looking at me like I'm weird, per usual, but a little bit weirder since I'm doing the nature boy. Woo! 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 Absolute legend. Uh, been a buddy of mine for a while. I still can't believe he's a buddy of mine. It's crazy. I, we were at uh, out here in Ocean City. They got this big party every single year called Night in Venice. It's a huge boat parade where all these fancy yachts come rolling through the lagoon and out. And they all the boats have different motifs. They are all it's decorated in different themes. ways with different themes. There was a Flintstones boat. The guess who the Grand Marshal of the Night in Venice boat parade was. Mm. Probably a cast member from The Sopranos, I would guess. Jay Wright. Jay Wright. Whoa. He could the be. former head basketball coach of the Villanova Wildcats. Multiple, I uh, almost called him a world champion. I don't think he's a world champion. Multiple NCAA champion. Uh, I think he's won multiple NCAA championships. Travis, you're going to need to confirm that for me, but I think he so. Has two. Two, okay, that's multiple. Two is multiple. Uh, Jay Wright was the... I almost called him the MC. He was the Grand Marshal of the Night in Venice Boat Parade. And Night in Venice is a very special night here, man. There are house parties all over the island, all over the place. It's one of my favorite nights of the year. We have the great opportunity to go over. My brother-in-law, Mike, his great friend from growing up, Doug DiMedio, their family has owns a house on the lagoon, on the water there. And they invite us over every year. And we get to sit there and watch the boats go by and drink a little drink, smoke a little smoke, hang out, have a good time. Kids are running around everywhere, jumping in the pool, jumping in the water, kayaking. Absolute blast. And we sit there once I've had a couple too many and 
Doug and his brothers. I know it's weird. She, this lady is walking out the door right now looking at me cross-eyed. I mean, your day ain't that bad, lady. Anyway. Are there any um, uh, regulars in there that have seen you and they, like, they've grown accustomed to you being in there? Or, or is yeah, they it always... are. They, they, they know. And all the folks working here know. And people take pictures and put them on the Internet machines, all the different I social saw that, medias. Yeah. That my shorts are too short, all that kind of – they're not wrong. I mean, these are some booty shorts I got on right now. My, my little pullover thing's way too tight. And it zips really weird. What what's this zipper about? Like it zips. It looks like a straight jacket, bro. It looks like you're yeah, locked it, up in that thing. It zips diagonally. I, my great friend Laura Weems, who works for the Philadelphia 76ers, gave me the uh, like this this bucket of uh, gear, and I really like this. It's pretty tight. Uh, it was probably actually, if we're being honest, I bet it was meant for Laney. <laughs> I bet this was for Laney because it's super super duper tight, and it zips. In such a way that makes me Marty's look wearing like, a woman's pole. Yeah, Marty's pulling I'm, a Michael really Scott over here. I think I really might be, and that's okay. <laughs> I mean, hey, on your weird, but it zips up sort of like. Um, remember what was that show? There was a show where these dudes that were dressed super weird did all these competitions and like uh, hit each other. Power Rangers. They were like, they were uh, named like Astro and Nitro and. What was it called? Um, Gla- American, American Gladiator? American Gladiator. American Gladiator. That's it. Their stuff zipped up super weird in the collar area. Anyway, um, can't wait to talk to the Nature Boy. Uh, it's going to be fun. Night in Venice was awesome. Jay Wright was awesome. We waved at him and said hello. And for the also, one other quick nugget. Laney was Miss Night in Venice 1995. Face. That's oh, so y'all face. have to go. Yeah, yeah, y'all have no choice. Well, they invite her every year yeah. to ride down the boardwalk on a convertible. It's like the and Masters. Once you win, you're the night in Venice parade. You got an but exemption. Laney's too humble. Laney will not do it. She's too humble. She doesn't want to show off. I mean, she married me. She has to offset our showing off. I, you know, I'm the, I'm, I'm shameless in terms of showing off. But anyway, all right. Can't wait to talk to Nature Boys. It's gonna be a blast. All right, let's get started with a little news. We got news here on the Marty Smith podcast in the NASCAR world. Boys, I'm floored. All right, so let's let's rerun it here. Uh, Denny Hamlin, Ross Chastain, 7.0. Denny stuffs Ross in the fence. Denny will tell you he did not stuff Ross in the fence. He was simply guarding his territory. Look, they're racing for the win. I don't care if you wreck your mama. I don't care what you do. When you're coming down to the checkered flag, don't matter to me. Do whatever you got to do. And Denny had no qualms. And with the uh, very recent uh, tumultuous history that those two have, with Ross being so aggressive behind the wheel, Denny pissed off, Chase pissed off, whole world pissed off at Ross Chastain. Denny, there were no rules. So Denny takes the high line away from Ross. Ross hits the fence. Denny goes on to win the race. That's neither here nor there. We're going to see more of that, I think, 40 years over. But here is where it got interesting was post-race inspection. During post-race inspection, NASCAR found an illegality on both the Denny Hamlin number 11 Toyota and the Kyle Busch number 18 Toyota. And after the race, NASCAR officials said it was the front fascia area. Well, where I'm intrigued is what that actually means. I want to know what it was, because it must have been so egregious that NASCAR wanted to just put the hammer down on Joe Gibbs Racing for whatever they did to the front portion of this car. It affected the aerodynamics of the car, according to NASCAR officials, and gave, gave those two cars an aerodynamic advantage. Well, they finished one, two, so that jibes. And so... A lot of fans are going, well, why didn't they find it during post-race inspection? Well, it was obviously hidden. It was hidden by something. I don't know what it was hidden by, but it was hidden by something there in the front fascia portion of that race car. Here is what NASCAR officials had to say after the race. This is Brad Moran, uh, the, the, the NASCAR Cup Series Managing Director. He says... There was really no reason why there was some material that was somewhere it shouldn't have been and that it does basically come down to a disqualification. It's a penalty for the 11 and the 18. They are DQ'd. Their vehicles are loaded into the NASCAR hauler. They're going back to the R&D center, and the final results have been changed. Of course, we know Chase Elliott has been declared the victor. And Sirene still works in Dawsonville. Sirene's rolling, man. I'm Look, guys, I'm floored. And a, a lot of people, I wrote it this morning before we taped here. I'm a little taken aback by this, still processing it. 
People are like, well, you get what you give. They cheated. They should be stripped of the victory. Okay, fine, if that's your opinion. Fine. No problem with that opinion. Where it blows my mind is it hadn't happened during my lifetime. And so, I mean, I have seen during my time covering this sport, I have covered NASCAR since 1998. And I have seen crazy cheating going on. I have seen crew chiefs be fined a hundred grand, suspended for weeks on end, drivers docked, tons of championship points, the whole thing. I've never seen them take a win away for something illegal on a race car. And they made it real clear. They're not messing around with this new next-gen car, and this is a hell of an example of that. Boys, I'm floored, man. Have you Period. heard from any drivers, any any vibes of what they're thinking or their teams, no. their crews? I mean, this is this is huge. No, but I have not asked. But I can tell you, I can tell you that this is a statement by the sanctioning body to everybody involved in that garage. Don't come at us. Don't try us. If we find it, your ass is grass. And we're mowing lawns. And... I just, uh, again, look, I, I'm, I'm floored. I know, I know that my, some of my colleagues who cover the sport now on a weekly basis, I don't cover the sport on a weekly basis. The ones that do were equally like, whoa, whoa. Mm. And I can't wait to hear what you know guys like Dale Jr. have to say about it. He's the authority voice in the sport in my mind. And uh, I'll be listening to his Dale Jr. Download podcast this week for sure to hear what he has to say about it. But fascinating to me, man. You gotta imagine that the team owners like Rick Hendrick are calling their guys and saying, "Are we clean? Because we can't have this happen to us now." Like this put the, probably put the fear of God in every team that, okay, we've been able to, you know, mess around a little bit and get fined, and we're willing to pay that for the victory. But if we're gonna lose it, all right, we can't have that happen. Like this is the fear of God that the NASCAR put in everybody. Well, it's definitely going to rewrite some strategy for some crew chiefs who are fearless in pushing the envelope. And one of the things that made NASCAR, has made NASCAR so awesome all these years is those guys finding those little nuances, gray areas in the rule book and taking advantage of those. I mean, that's one thing, going back to Dale Jr.'s podcast that I love so much about his podcast is he's gotten these drivers and crew chiefs to start really sharing, opening up on some ways that they did skirt the rule book. And... This is NASCAR going, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, we, 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 are, we are taking it to the absolute utmost penalty, which is we're taking your win. All right, y'all, while we're on NASCAR, listen, you got to get out to the racetrack. The racing this year is so good. I'm thoroughly enjoying this season. So many young drivers emerging, so many different winners. And then there's, young, there's older guys like Kevin Harvick, who I've been covering his whole career, who's a first ballot NASCAR Hall of Famer who's struggling trying to get into the NASCAR playoffs. And speaking of the playoffs, they begin at one of NASCAR's crown jewels on Labor Day weekend, the iconic cookout Southern 500. Drivers will battle for the championship at the track too tough to tame, and you don't want to miss one minute or one lap of the action. You can get a family four-pack with tickets for kids starting at 10 bucks. Get your tickets now for September 3rd through the 4th at DarlingtonRaceway.com. I can't wait to see it. So another, um, I mean, I guess important nugget at hand here is Travis been bragging to us, y'all. Been bragging to us all summer, Wes, about his uh, drunken stupor yeah, approach. To it's nothing to brag to about, T-Rock, but, but carry on. I, I, I wouldn't clarify. I wouldn't say I was bragging. I just made a statement that. I got after it on Saturday. Well, I think we lost Marty here. All right. Uh, we had to take a little brief hiatus there for a moment because um, my internet quit, and we couldn't make the internet come back to life. So I packed up, hopped on the bike, left Ocean City Coffee, and came back over here to the house where we will complete this extravaganza. Travis, carry on where you were, detailing with tremendous, intricate detail. You're drunk and stupor. Carry on. Which makes me doubt the uh, validity of the story, but carry on. Uh, so my pool, my apartment had a pool party, had a DJ. And, you know, just sitting in the pool, it was 100, 100 degrees out. So we're in the pool just drinking all day. <coughs> Choking over here. And then one of the girls like, uh, who wants to play Flip Cup? Of course, the answer is yes. I'm going to play. Yep. yep, I know a guy. So uh, we played a best of seven game series. 
our team was victorious. So that was a good start. And then someone's like, well, let's play beer pong. And so me and my buddy were like, all right, we'll jump on the table first. And we went three and one. And that last game, I didn't want to lose, but I wasn't mad because we'd been, you know, after four games of and plus flip cup and drinking all day, you're, I mean, I had already missed my, like, I already went through my, like, perfect, like, drunken phase to play beer pong. Like, I'd, I'd on the, on the back end where I was now playing bad. Also, what do you think out- that line is? Like, what, what's the perfect, what's the perfect line for Travis Rockhold? There's got to be some science to it. I don't know, like but it was average. also, we were playing outside and w- with the wind, man, it was, it was a, it was a struggle at times, but I think the beer pong gods were nice to us and letting us go three and one because all of our competitors, they played with water cups and then drank their beer on the side where me and my partner had beer in our cups. Cheating. See, that to me sounds like an illegal modification to the fascia as well. I agree. I definitely think that would result in a loss of a victory. Because they're not drinking nearly as much as we are. Not even close. I mean, if the cups, if the cup, yeah. normally in beer pong, you got like a nice little, nice little base in the bottom of the solo cup. If you're drinking your beer, you can just get away with just a teeny little done because you can't monitor their consumption. That's weak, man. I think yeah, these, to- with these next generation cups too, that's a, an advantage you can't have. Yeah, it, was it makes me think about uh, one of my drunkest. I think it was probably the worst hangover of my life. It was the NASCAR awards banquet in Las Vegas, Nevada, one of the years that Jimmy Johnson won uh, one of his seven championships. I think it was around 2007, maybe something like that, 2008. And he had a party, a private party, before the night before the main party. This was a Thursday night, I want to say. And he calls me up and he's like, hey, I'm having this party for the team. Get your ass over here. We're going to play some flip cup. Cool. And um, I show up at the party. There's beer pong set up. There's flip cup. All kinds of different drinking games. And Johnson and I teamed up and ran shop in beer pong. You don't want to do that. You don't want to win all the beer pong. If you win all the beer pong, you end up in a state of mind that you did not expect to be in. And it's not appropriate. It's not attractive. You're a complete mess, and the next day is horrible. Now, where I made my most egregious mistake was I was not only consuming the beer pong beers, I also was holding Jack Daniels drinks Oh no! throughout the competition. Mm. So I am real-time mixing. This is not like, hey, I'm going to have a cocktail with you know, pre-dinner, and then I might have some wine during dinner, whatever. That beer before no. liquor thing is real, man. It's very all of it, dude. I'm 46 years old. It's all real. I don't care what. I can't drink IPAs anymore. I don't touch IPAs. IPAs hurt. I think I'm allergic to them. I think I got a sinus infection when it comes to the IPA. But regardless, I'm making my Marty's way. He's going this. to the doctor for the allergy test, and they prick his back, and there's a little IPA. Yep. Marty just flares up. Hops. Just big old knot on my back. Hops. <laughs> Um, well, Travis, we're proud of you, man. Uh, yeah. it sounds well, like you put in good work. It's, it's the day. What that, that day wasn't over. So, uh, you had I, more. Uh, yeah. So then I went upstairs, <laughs> oh, no. I went upstairs to shower and my, uh, my friends that were at the pool, they live like four tenths of a mile away from me and they were going to four tenths uh, of a mile. This is very precise. Very specific. It's close. It's walking distance. And so they were going to grill and, you know, have some drinks on the rooftop before doing something that night. And so I go upstairs, I shower, and uh, even though the walk wasn't long, I decided to grab a Ziploc baggie and fill it with Cheez-Its so I could have a snack along the, for the walk over there. Dude, you are a rich. You're like Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> you, were trying to leave, you were trying to leave a trail from whence you came so that you might be able to make your way back home. The Cheez-It trail. Is that Hansel and Gretel? I think so. Uh, is it... It wasn't Little Red Riding Hood, was it? Maybe. Did she have crumbs, too? I don't know. I, I forget all the nursery rhymes and all that stuff. So then drinks and a couple fun. shots and eat, and then we go to uh, Losers, where we had the event. And I'm like, had a drink or two, and I'm like hungry. I'm like, I need to get food. So I stumble to a pizza place, and I'm like, I got to go home. I'm annihilated. Like, I can barely like keep my eyes open. I just text my friend. <laughs> 
I'm drunk. I'm going home. <laughs> I'm all out of cheese. It's gotta go. I was hungover when I went to bed on Saturday. Oh my lord! Damn. How did well, you do when you, feel? when you woke up? Did you get it out of the way, or was it just a prolonged? I woke, I woke up Sunday. I felt great. Hangover. I was hungover when I went to bed on Saturday. That is putting in work, dude. Yeah. So that was my. I day. was a mess yesterday too. I was a, I was a serious mess yesterday after uh, that night in Venice extravaganza. All right, um, I got one more story that I want to share before we get to the Nature Boy Ric Flair. I um, a couple of days ago got home from playing pickleball. Think I'm ready for the Olympics. Uh, I'm, you double I'm get, doubles guy, singles pickleball doubles guy, man. Yeah, okay. Singles, you got to run too much. I mean, singles. I like a, it. I like I like the singles. I just got done watching a documentary film on the Netflix machine last night. <laughs> Uh, it was Andy Roddick and Marty Fish. They played pickleball? No, they didn't play pickleball. They played tennis. Oh. Because that was their chosen path uh, as Utes. And it was about like the, the whole how Marty Fish went through his anxiety bout and all that stuff and the exhaustive effort he put in to become a championship caliber player and how anxiety thwarted all that. Fascinating. Uh, I highly recommend it. I would recommend it if I remembered what the hell it was called. Um, I do not. Travis, look that up on the internet. Uh, it's Andy Roddick, Marty Fish, Netflix. I bet you'll find it. But anyway. A rod and a fish. Untold breaking point. Good Lord, Wes. I mean, that Wes just snuck that in there. That was pretty, uh, that was pretty tricky. They missed an um, opportunity there. <laughs> so I, um, I get home from playing pickleball, and Laney says, hey, uh, would you mind going to the beach? Would you mind uh, hanging around for a little bit longer before you come down to the beach to take Cameron and Chase, get their haircut? Uh, ride over there on bikes with them. Of course I will. No problem. Got it. So we get on bikes, and we're making our way over there. It's uh, it's actually quite literally right beside Ocean City Coffee where I just was. About two-tenths of a uh, mile. <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, I don't know, it's like, ten, it's like 15 blocks maybe, something like that. It's not far. It's, you know, a nice little 10-minute. 10, 12-minute bike ride. And I'm super dehydrated from playing pickleball. So I got a Yeti. I got this massive Yeti canteen. It looks like a damn keg, basically. It's humongous. And my beach cruiser bike has the big old tall handlebars. And so I'm riding with the Yeti dangling over the handlebar on my right hand. So I, that sets the scene, the scene setter for what's about to This okay. doesn't sound good. We go down this alley uh, at A Street and Asbury here, and the alleys, eh, they could probably use a repave. Um, they're, <laughs> they're not in the best of shape. And I don't know what I was doing, but I was obviously not paying attention to the road. And I'm riding one-handed with my left hand. I got the Yeti in my right hand. And, boys, I hit a pothole. I... I, I, I think I hit the Grand Canyon. I can't. I, actually, I just went on my way to tape our podcast and interview the Nature Boy Ric Flair. You could have this popped morning. that shoulder back out, man. I did. Uh, and I went back to the scene of the crime. I had to face my demons in order to make my way past. <laughs> I've been a little twitchy on the bike here the last few days. And so I hit this pothole. I go ass over tea kettle. I went over the handlebars. All right. My chin hit first, then my shoulder. But unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, I had on Nike slides. So if, if I would have had on flip-flops, it would have been so much worse. But I had on slides. So the slides slid down my foot, not off my foot, down yeah. my foot, Go. which exposed mm -hmm. the whole big toe. Okay? It actually, it actually protected the rest of the toes. But the big toe was exposed, and I've lost my big toe. It it ripped the entire top off of my left big toe, huh? What do you mean? You lost your toe. My toe, my toe is gone. Like half of my toes, it ripped the whole top off my big toe. Like did you go back and find it in the pavement? Is it still there? Look, as I've downloaded this accident, I'm just full of gratitude. Actually, that a there was no car coming. Yeah, because I was going at a decently rapid rate of speed. How's your Yeti? My Yeti. I mean, those things are indestructible. All right. That's a win. You you can't you can't break a yeti. Not man. a total you loss. You can shoot that thing with a twelve gauge; it bounce off. So you need to see like a sports psychologist, maybe, and uh, go back and 
kind of rehash this, maybe write a haiku about it, get it out of your system. I, I was I was riding fast. Then I hit a pothole hard. Damn, that really hurt. Damn, that really hurt. There's a haiku. There's <laughs> so, there's our haiku about my accident. So two um, things. One, you should go back and fill that pothole in to show who's boss. That's number one. Number two, well, you have bad luck with your feet in Ocean City. I have terror. I get hurt every summer. It's like it a wasn't that long ago that you dropped a liquor bottle or a beer That's bottle. That's true. On your foot. There's a pattern here. Same foot. In fact, same foot. Let my left foot. But I played pickleball again yesterday, and I was basically an indestructible force. Mm. I did have some blood in my sock, but I'm sort of like Kurt Schilling, I guess. Yeah, you're it's very, it up over there. Yeah, very comparable to the Kurt Schilling uh, blood sock game. <laughs> but I made my way through. All right, speaking of bloody performances, let's get on to now that's our segue. amazing guest, 16-time world champion, who is set to make his final wrestling start. Grace the ring for the final time here this coming Sunday, July 31st. Woo! Give it up for the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Here is our interview on the Marty Smith Podcast with the Nature. Woo! Man, it is such an awesome pleasure to have you on. You know you've been a hero to me my whole damn life. And uh, you got some news to share. I mean, we're, we're a few days away now from the, from the final match and the Ric Flair roast. And we have a million questions about it. But first, Leia, I, I want to know, first of all, why in the hell are you doing this? And second, how did it come together? Well, do you know who Conrad Thompson is? Yep. Yeah, my son-in-law, but he's not like the, I, I call him the king of the podcast world. I mean, he's, he's partnered up with, you know, everybody. Now, now he's partnered up with Fuzio and Triller and everybody else. Um, but it all started from our relationship uh, together and then he married my daughter. We've become very close friends, so they, every year he has an event, I think it's his third or fourth year called StarCast. Started out in Vegas, and I was gonna do this, not wrestle, we just do the roast in Vegas, and I had that uh, heart issue where I had to have the four, in 2018 I had to have four heart operations in seven weeks, and I finally got it right. It was just a, just a pacemaker, not, nothing, not, no, no, no cutting or anything. Just going in and playing around. The four different doctors, so they all had different opinions. But um, <laughs> anyway, he called me and said, um, "Starcast is sure we're going to have it in Nashville." I said, "What do you think about wrestling one more time?" And I had just seen Austin and Vince wrestle at WrestleMania, and I thought, you know, anytime I see something like that, it makes me want to get back in there. So um, I called up the heart doctor I like the best, and he said. Uh, he said, I think there's enough scar tissue built around the thing by now, you could do anything you want to do. So I went over there and uh, um, just took a slam first, then a suplex, then, then I started wrestling and running, and, and it just worked out. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be nearly as good as I was, but I'll be better than I was when I wrestled Sting my last match. It'll be fun. I, I'm goal-oriented. I, I think almost every man, you know, the one thing you don't lose in life if you're, if you ever wanted to be something as a goal and uh, if I do if I pull this off I mean I, I'm really rolling the dice because if I pull it off I'll be bigger than ever but if I fail <laughs> so I got it's a must it's a must happen I got to make it happen make it work I'll have all the tools of my trade in me Marty when all else fails man <laughs> I'll have it taped to my finger <laughs> I love it uh, I've been reading a little bit about your build-up and the workouts you're doing and the training you're doing to make sure you're ready and you got a little bit of a foot issue. What's it been like to get up and get after it again every single day? Because it's, it's been years. Yeah, I know. It's hard to do that. I, I train with John Cena's trainer up on Land Lakes, and I drive over to St. Pete, which is 50 miles away, to get in the ring. So I go up to Rob like – Four, at least four times a week, and then I uh, try to get in the ring twice a week. I, I won't get in the ring again now until I get to Nashville. I mean, and we start walking through things. But um, yeah, I just it's just self. You know, for me, it's more more self confidence. I can do it. You know, you, you know, when I 
let them slam me off the top rope the other day. I said, you know, either it's going to work or it's not going to work, right? The worst that can happen is the thing comes unplugged and they got to plug it back in. So it's not like <laughs> You're I'm talking like, about your heart. I'm talking about my pacemaker. Yeah. yeah. I don't, mine does not have a defibrillator, which is different. But um, yeah, it's in there. I mean, I've done all the bumps, so uh, a lot more than people have seen. Uh, well, so you I'm, seem a little bit concerned, H. Do you, uh, are, are you are you are you sure you're okay with this? I'm not concerned about my health at all. Okay, good. No, no, it's for here. It's right, it's right here. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's all here right now. Not about my health. I I haven't. Man, I've been dead, Marty. I've been dead for 14 I, days. <laughs> I remember. I remember. I've been, an airplane, I've been in an airplane crash. There's nothing, not worried about that at all. I'm just worried about, you know, being, I hope to be like, you know, maybe 70% of what I was. If I'm 70% of what I was, that'd be pretty good. Uh, since you fought and, last. and I've got really good, I've got real good opponents to work with too, which, it, which makes a big difference. How tempted have you been since the last time you wrestled between now and, and 2011 to try this again? Oh, I've been offered $50,000 probably 10 times. I just didn't want to do it. Because I, I didn't want to get in the shape it takes. This, is, this has been three months. And I mean, I've, I've had to take some, as, as long as a week break once in a while because of work, you know, go traveling and stuff. But, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm there now. I mean, it's a home stretch. I, I took, uh, canceled some stuff this week and I'll train hard today, train hard tomorrow, train hard on Wednesday, um, and then take off for Nashville Wednesday night and then, uh, meet the troops on Thursday afternoon, get ready for the roast, which should be more concerned about the roast. I would be too, <laughs> boss. Then <laughs> I am the match. Then we have the Four Horsemen reunion, which will be huge, and then um, photo ops and a Q&A. All of this will be on, on TV. And then, um, of course, the match, the match that started at 6.30 on, uh, and we only got 300 tickets left out of, out of 9,000, so. First of all, when I, met, when I met Rick, I was blown away how I met him. I met him because, Travis, plug your ears, I met him because I went to Rome, Italy with the University of Michigan Wolverines yeah. and Nature's great friend, Jim Harbaugh. And as a result, I was doing all this reporting and whatnot, and I randomly get this text from this number I don't know, and it's the freaking Nature Boy Ric Flair. And after I picked my jaw up off the ground, we built this amazing relationship. So when they did the 30 for 30, which was brilliant on Nature's life, I got the opportunity to be a part of the 30 for 30. And I had one line in the whole damn movie. Yeah. And that line was, where I come from, we didn't feel Hulk Hogan. We felt Ric Flair. <laughs> Nate, I can't go anywhere. Like, that's what people remember about me. I don't care what happens the rest of my career. That's what people, it's going to like be on my tombstone or something. But here's the question. I, I say all that. Well, I appreciate it. I don't know how Hulk felt about it. <laughs> there are... There are 18-year-olds playing college football who do woo. There yeah. are, you know, you, you are iconic through generations. What does it tell you about your influence that you started in, you started in 1970-ish, and even today, 50 years later, you are still that relevant? Um. You know, I'm so thankful, Marty. I don't, I, I think about that, but only because I get reminded when I get a text from a guy like you, I go, I go, guys, Marty Smith calling me. I mean, and I mean, everybody knows Marty Smith too. If they don't know Marty Smith, they don't know ESPN. I mean, I actually think you should be doing one of the shows uh, like Get Up or um, First Take or, you know, I, I mean, I, I think you're that good, but because you're always, you're this, just eloquent, eloquent epitome of dressed clothes. And when you interview people, you know, like at events, I can't remember who I saw you at the Derby with, but um, it just comes across as just, it's so classy. And I'm all about class. I like people that dress up, I appreciate that. And especially when they're out, you know, and they're representing their brand. 
Um, God only knows I spent more money on clothes than I should have, but I think it all, I think it paid off for me in terms of me kind of setting a standard. And I think I've sold a few Rolex watches along the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I, I've never got a deal from them, but <laughs> what are we doing? Every time I'm watching Wimbledon, every time I watch Wimbledon and I have the Rolex dial, I think they had to have me standing next to it. <laughs> So I, I'm just lucky. I mean, all these guys like Snoop Dogg and Offset and Ricky Ross. I was at a thing in Miami, and the promoter goes, "You know Rick Ross?" I said, "Do I know Rick Ross? Are you kidding? Yeah, I know Rick Ross. You wrote 18 songs about me." <laughs> <laughs> so I've just been lucky along the way, and I, I, I appreciate the respect. Trust me, I don't take it for granted. Where did Woo come from? Where uh, did it come uh, from? Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lewis. Uh, Reckon it's a race of great balls of fire. Woo was driving somewhere on those 3,000 mile a week trips back in the 70s. And we, all we did was drink beer and listen to country music. I'd never even listened to country music coming from Sounds Minneapolis. Like That's what Marty does every day, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, until I got down south, I'd never listened to country music. I mean, you're from Minnesota and you're moving to Charlotte. When I got there, it was just brown bag. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, it, all it was, and you know it, Marty, it, Charlotte was just uh, strip clubs, massage parlors. There was no banks. There was nothing going on there, brown bag, and motorcycle gangs. I, I swear to God, 1974 was not. And then the Charlotte Nature Boys showed up. Huh? I said, yeah, and then the Nature Boys showed yeah, it up. Was, it was me and Richard Petty, wrestling and racing. I still keep in touch with Richard. So, um, I just saw Kyle. Um, that's what it was. It, it, we just find it, we kind of grew. I grew with the city, you know. So and, and uh, um, I, I just love Charlotte. I love being there. The only reason I moved away was that when my son passed away. I just the Charlotte Reserve was exhausting me, man. I mean, exhausting. They'll, they grab at everything. They wanted me to do an article for them about this. But I said, guys, are you kidding me? If you'll print every word I'll say, I'll. I'll we can't guarantee you that. I said, we're not, we're not, we're not doing the article. <laughs> but life is good, man. I'm in, I'm in Tampa now. I got a new boat, and I love it here. Wendy just left. She she we got a, she just bought a new place at the Rosemary Beach. So she was here yesterday. She's on her way now. She loves that. You know that area up there by 30A? 30A, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's beautiful. Speaking of country music, that's pretty much Nashville yeah. South right there. Yeah, boy, it is. Every, Every artist with, in the world has a place there. I mean, everybody's up there. Got um, who's the guy just bought a house? Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson just bought a home there. Awesome. Every yeah. college football coach. A little bigger than ours. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, for all your back to school needs, we're getting to that time. We're getting ready to get out of here from the beach and head back to Charlotte because my kids start school second week of August. It is officially back to school time, and for whatever you need for back to school. Clothes. Every kid wants brand new sneakers as they head back to school. Go get it at Academy Sports and Outdoors, your back-to-school headquarters. They have everything y'all need for football coming up, for whatever your fall sports season is at the school you go to or your kids go to. Academy Sports and Outdoors has it. Go by your local academy. They have what you need. I know I'm going to be heading back there as soon as we get back to Charlotte. Our kids want brand new drinking bottles. Everybody wants the water bottle. Brand new water bottle for school. We get ours at Academy Sports and Outdoors. You can too. Cleats, sneakers, gear from every single national brand. Adidas, Under Armour, certainly the swoosh. Whatever y'all need, Academy Sports and Outdoors has it. I am so grateful to be a part of their company. Go check them out. They got everything. And I mean everything. I just lost a pocket knife again. When I go in there, I'm going to try to get a new one. Academy Sports and Outdoors. Laney is shaking her head at me. You're not getting any new pocket knives. Little does she know. Head over to Academy. They got everything you need. Nate, I'd like to try to settle this once and for all, but you are the ultimate sports fan. You love every team that exists. What has been the... I, I, know, I love relationships on a team. Yeah. I, I get accused of being a... I get accused of being a... a, a uh, a, a jumper like that, but I if I don't know the coach, it's like um, 
I've been on the sidelines with Herschel Walker and everybody else at, at Georgia, and Kirby Smart walked right by me three times. Screw him. <laughs> I'm glad he got the 112 million. I got. I had. Uh, who was the coach at A&M? Um, Jimbo. Huh? Jimbo Fisher. No, before Jimbo. Um, of someone. Yeah, he Kevin walked. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm on the sidelines of the Gamecocks. He walks across the field to meet me. What does that say? And now I just got invited by Mike Brable, who I've never met, to talk to the Titans uh, Thursday morning. So Thursday I'm morning. A, this coming Thursday morning. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's the message school. to the Tennessee Titans, Nate? What are we saying? Well, I liked him a lot. I really do. I really love that Derrick Henry, man. That kid is too much. I mean, um, I never thought he'd be that good in, college, in pro, but boy, like, coming off that injury, my message to anybody is that, if you are gonna if you put the time and the effort and the work into it and you're mentally right, not sidelined by distractions at home or whatever else which we all go through, regardless of whether we think we do or not, we all do. If you're focused and you guys and stay healthy, which is the most important thing in sports, they they have a good chance. I think Tannehill came around. I, they have a hell of a team. Is, is Julio still with them? He just can't stay healthy. Oh yeah, I know. Well, he made his money though, thank God. Like my friend Todd Gurley got his got his pay. You know, because these guys, man, it, I mean, you watch it, and I, I know our our sport is physical, and then, then you start watching that hockey, which is you watch playoff hockey, at all guys. Oh yeah. I mean, yep. those guys are they're skating around him, forty miles an hour, three percent body fat, and they don't they just kill themselves. So it's much like ours, and we, we, we don't get nearly the credit for the damage that we do to our bodies, but I've got all the respect in the world, and I don't hope the Titans, because I don't have a favorite anymore. Of course, I like, it's easy to say I like the Buccaneers, because I know Rob, and I've met Tom once, but um, now I, I, I like all the teams. And now, now the Coach Brable has kind of uh, you know invited me to be part of it. The, they're all coming to the match and everything, and invited me to be part of it. I'll, I'll be pulling for the Titans, what the hell? You were talking about Vince earlier. Uh, we all saw he just chose to step down yeah. from the WWE. Uh, I, I kind of got a, a three-part question. We can take them one at a time, Nate. First, what's your I saw what you wrote on Twitter, but what's your reaction to his decision to step down? It'll be a tremendous loss to the industry. The biggest loss of all time. He's the reason. I wanted to, well, I couldn't put all the letters in there, but it, there are so many people he's made millionaires out of. I mean, he's taken guys that, you know, with just average ability and earned them a living. And I don't think they understand it. Even though that we, we don't have health insurance and all that, if you get hurt in a job there, they pay way for everything. It's always, everybody looks on it for the downside of our business. He's been the greatest. I mean, for, he's been my personal friend, my good friend. Um, and I, I just, I, I think that they, um, well, I know they'll miss him because even at, at 76, he's a sharp Marty. And he, the reason that company's been so successful, he's a hands-on guy. He knows where everything is and, what, and what's going on everywhere, which probably drives a lot of people crazy, you know, that work for him because he, does, he does, not like to designate, does not like to designate authority. So I don't know what... I, I can't imagine what he's doing right now. He's got, he's a billionaire, but he's the kind of guy, I bet he's missing the business right now because tonight's raw, I bet he's missing it. And I, I know I'll miss it with him. I, I thought when he was on TV, those days with Austin and Marty, which you must have seen, was some of the best TV I've ever seen in my life. And Vince couldn't wrestle a lick, but man, he was entertaining and he knew how to be a heel. So, you know, to me, it was a, 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 he, he added credibility to, to, to to the business with his uh, performance in the ring, and he's just a mastermind. I mean, you know, he did I asked him one time back in the night, I said, what's your competition? He said, Disney. Sometimes. <laughs> he don't look at the NFL as being for competition to him. And really, if you look at all the stuff with the, the NFL, the Super Bowl, and not, not, not the Super Bowl itself, but you see all the stuff they've had, the glitz, the glamour, the pyro and everything, where did it all come from? Vince McMahon. 
We were doing that way, way before the NFL was, or the the basketball, the All Star game. I mean, he's just so creative. I mean, to think about it from Jim Crockett Promotions, Marty, which you knew, to where they are now. I mean, I remember when the first day they had high definition. I went, God, he spent two hundred million dollars to redo the whole. You can imagine the stuff they have up at Stanford, where they put all this stuff, the post and all that. The studio is unbelievable. It's no different than going to visit NBC. It's it's huge. So and um, and then another time I asked him, I said, "How do you, how do you?" Uh, I asked him like I, I got to know him so I could ask him questions like, "How do you just take the stress of this every day?" Because it it's a stressful job, and he takes it on himself. He said, "I can't I can't a day I can't take a day off, and I can't afford to get stressed out. I got 280 people depending on me." That's what I'm adding. You said it there a bit, but I'd like to just pose the question this way. Without Vince McMahon, what would Ric Flair be? Uh, Ric Flair would have been that washed up guy that left left with my head shaved because of Bischoff and uh, Vince Russo in 2000. Anything to bring me down. If you didn't bring me back in 2001, I don't know where I'd be. I probably wouldn't be talking to you because I wouldn't be relevant enough to talk to. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, Vincent, the first time I was on TV, he goes, you know what we call gorilla when you walk backstage after your performance, walk up the ramp, and sure. he'd go, let me tell you something, 80s heels don't draw. <laughs> Okay. I don't want to hear about that limousine ride and jet flying. That's old. <laughs> it's the most. It's the most famous line in the history of the sport. Yeah, I know. I mean, Travis. Travis has a T-shirt on right now with that uh, saying on the T-shirt. I hope I you're making some royalties, Nate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> probably the two percent they pay. <laughs> <laughs> right. If if two percent. Hey, the WWE doesn't get that royalty check. It's hard to get. As so, as kids, for me, our favorite matchup was always the Nature Boy and the American Dream. Yeah. Always, like oh, it was man. you. It was you and Dusty Rhodes. Always. Yeah. yeah who, it was where does he rank? Who is your most treasured opponent throughout all the years? Oh, there were, there were three, but I mean, Dusty's probably number one. Uh, two would be Steamboat. Three would be Sting. The other guys I wrestled, well, I wrestled Dusty for 20 years. I know. And, and 20 years of being sold out. We never, I don't remember us ever going to a venue that wasn't sold out. Which is saying a lot. Even at $5 ringside tickets back then, it was it was sold out. So, um, and I, to, to see his son doing so well now, Cody has really come a long way. And I keep up with Michelle, so. Greatest line I ever heard in my life was, at Dusty's funeral, Cody was, you know, was talking on behalf of, of the family, and as, as did Dustin. And Cody said, he asked his mom one day, he said, why, why don't you have any other wrestler's pictures around the house? She said to Cody, when you're married to Alice Presley, who well, else's picture would you have? <laughs> That's the greatest line <laughs> That's the way Dusty talked. I used to go in the ring with him in Greensboro, so loud he looked at me just like the open of Caesar's Palace, kid. <laughs> Good old days, man. Yeah, he was so witty. Yep, great. He sure was. What a brilliant, what a brilliant performer. Oh God, I know. I mean, I mean, he'd be, he'd be the king dog now if he came around. Yep. Be the king dog. I mean, he's, so relatable. He was just so relatable to I know. so many millions of fans. And, there, and there's an aspect of society would still relate to that. I mean, yep. he was a common man. <laughs> he and I spent forty dollars on mink coats in August and. and Las Vegas with our wives are. <laughs> what did it take? Twenty-five minutes for that mink coat to fall apart for forty bucks walked, in Vegas. He walked in and bought a coyote coat. I walked in and bought a mink coat. His wife walked in and bought a mink coat, and of course mine went and got a blue fox. <laughs> Ninety degrees in Vegas. What the hell? We competed, man. He bought a car. I bought a faster one. He bought a bigger car. I bought another one. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> right. 
biggest house on the biggest side of town. <laughs> when you look back on on you know the sport before you guys elevated it and did bring that glitz and glamour to it, you know wrestling in high school. I mean, what would you go back and tell that young wrestler before you came on the scene and, and before the sport became what it was? Have you ever thought about your message to that younger version of yourself of where your career was headed? Well, I never dreamt I'd be where I am today when I was wrestling in high school. I didn't, I just knew that, um, I don't know, it's hard to believe. It's, I, I was just wild. That's why I ended up in boarding school. Was boarding school or reform school? And I don't mean like anything bad, but driving my parents' car when I was underage. And, no, I'm not talking about armed robbery or anything stupid like that, but I just, I couldn't live within the, I was having a hard time living within the limits of my age. <laughs> my mom and dad's car were there and they're out of town. I, I felt, I owed it to the car to be driven. get out. <laughs> Hell, why would I ride my bike when I can drive my mom's car? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's a lot faster. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll get you out of here on this, brother. We appreciate you giving no, us so I'm much time. No, I'm ball with you guys, please. I, uh, so, the official tally says 16 titles. Yeah. How many did you really win? 21. Yeah. That's the way I feel about it, too. What is your greatest achievement from your perspective on that Hall of Fame, world-class, greatest of all time resume? Well, I don't know if I am the greatest of all time. I think I worked as hard as it, I think I worked hard enough to be in that, in that uh, and brought enough to it to be in the consideration. But, you know, with guys like Shawn Michaels and um, Randy Orton, especially Shawn, Shawn just stands out. I mean, um, I, I, I have a hard time saying the, the the greatest the greatest good guy ever was Steamboat, the greatest. Make no doubt about it. And, and, if, and if in his day he'd had to do the moon salts and all that, obviously he could have done it. That's and right. he was a tough kid, obviously. So we didn't we didn't do that back then. But there's no way you couldn't and Steamboat couldn't have done it, right? So, but all around Shawn Michaels, man, I'm telling you, he just. He's a little bit of a prick, so he could be a, a good heel. You know what I mean? Not anymore. He's really he's really calmed down. But I mean, he could be a good heel, and but he but just a phenomenal worker. You, you look at that match, his final match with the Undertaker. My God, in Atlanta, uh, unbelievable. Could sell. I mean, he was he was a total package. So you're talking about final matches. Uh, Yours is coming in a matter of days. This, and this is the last what? one I just got. Somebody is offering a bunch to, to do one two, a month later. I said, guys, I, I I want to, but I would be screwing up my legacy. And I'm, I, I got a lot of heat for going back to work when I needed to go back to work because I was paying three women alimony, which is a whole other episode. <laughs> Whenever you want to talk about, whenever you want to talk about paying XY's money, just call me up. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate the offer, brother. I'm good yeah, on that hey. front. James, <laughs> I'm good on that James front. McElroy and Deal. Remember Bill Deal? Yeah, of course I remember of course. Bill Deal. Who doesn't? <laughs> Anybody that lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, knows yeah. that name. Uh, yeah, I, what, I paid him a lot of money, man. <laughs> it's obvious that you're in. I mean, you know, you and I have had a million conversations over the past few years, but it's obvious to me that you're in a nostalgic headspace as yes. you face this final match. What, yeah. what do you think your emotions are going to be when you get in the ring this I, time? Believe it or not, it's keeping me awake at night now. I'm nervous because they don't understand it, but everybody goes, well, all you got to do is get in the ring and strut and go woo and chop a couple of guys. That not, it is, <laughs> got me more than that. I got to be a... I gotta be a, 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 a I have to be, I won't be able to do it at the speed I did, but I've got to be able to do all the stuff that I did. And I can't, I practice it. So now I just get myself here to walk out there and my whole family will be there again. I mean, it, it'll be a night to be remembered. Yeah, it's just here right now. So. I can't wait to see it, man. I can't wait to watch it. Me too, it. guys. I can't wait to celebrate it. And, uh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your oh, time. Oh, thank you guys, man. Thank you. I'm so honored.
Guys, one of our amazing partners here at the Marty Smith Podcast is my great friends at Moultrie. More than 35 years ago, Moultrie pioneered the game management category. Today, Moultrie is one of the best-selling brands of game cameras and feeders in the world, and it continues to innovate with new technology that hunters and land managers rely on. Defined by the foundations of reliability and ease of use, Moultrie products are always field-tested and designed for hunters by hunters. Combining forward-thinking innovation with time-tested practicality, Moultrie consistently demonstrates what it means to be the most trusted name in game management. Check them out. MoultrieFeeders.com to learn more. That's M-O-U-L-T-R-I-E-F-E-E-D-E-R-S.com. MoultrieFeeders.com. I will tell you, I did just send a bunch and I mean a bunch of trail cameras to one of my friends in college football, one of the head coaches who has a lot of land and wanted to have some trail cameras out there. When I saw this head coach recently, we started talking about hunting season coming up, our food plots, everything that you do to get ready for hunting season. And I asked him, you got any trail cameras out there? And he's like, no, nah, I'm in the market. I said, let me send you a couple. Let me send you a few. You can check them out. And the one that I'm sending him, the ones, I mean, it's a bunch. These cameras are amazing. Now, they have SD cards, okay? And they can take 13,000 photographs on four batteries. But they also have solar panels. You can stick on them, too. There's either 16 gig or 32 gig SD cards. And then they have, there's a smart card reader that you plug. You put the SD card in the smart card reader and then you can plug it directly into your phone. So you can see everything that's going on on your land right there. 13,000 photos on four batteries. SD card goes right into your phone, and you can check out everything that's going on on your land. I love it. Y'all check them out. MoultrieFeeders.com and get yours now. I say it all the time in my ESPN life. I can't believe I get we get to chat with some of these people. And certainly the Nature Boy is one of them. Uh, what an unbelievable life. I mean, anybody who's seen Rory Karp's 30 for 30 on Nate has seen what that man has done, not only to uh, his, his uh, profession, but to his body. To himself. Um, he's a walking miracle, that guy, and he'll tell you that himself. But It's one of my favorite 30 for 30s, and I'm kind of a, a buff on them. And uh, just the way they do it with kind of like the cartoon – storytelling, flashbacks. It's really the only way you can do it, I think. But it's a, it's a masterpiece, and he is too. That was awesome. It was really cool to get to spend time with him again. He, uh, I was at that um, party I was talking about on Saturday night. I was at the Night in Venice party, and he FaceTimes me. I'm sitting there. I'm pretty tuned up. I've, had a, I've, de- I've been sailing with the captain for quite some ooh, time. Ooh. And my phone's buzzing in my pocket, and I'm really anti-using my phone when I'm at parties like that, I don't, I keep it in my pocket. I look over and all the kids are on their phones doing like, get the hell off that thing. Come on, have a, some social interaction. Look each other in the eye, laugh, be joyful, tell some old lies. Well, my phone's ringing in my pocket off the hook. I'm like, I wonder what's going on. Laney sitting right beside me, so it can't be that big of an emergency. I pull out my phone. I've missed three FaceTimes from the nature boy, Ric Flair. And I went, oh, hell. So I tried to FaceTime the nature boy, Ric Flair back. He does not answer. A few minutes later, here we are. I'm on the FaceTime machine with the nature boy. And all these people start crowding around. And they're like, what in the hell? So the, our buddy that hosted us, Doug, I said, come here. Say, hey, the nature boy. Like, what did he do? Walk right up into the phone and go, woo, 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 woo. Anytime, this is one, the last thing I'll say about it, but anytime the nature boy texts you, he ends every text with a woo. And all of them have five O's. Five O's. He explains that on the doc. That's like, five if you o's. want to write a woo and you want to do it right, it's got to have five O's. Five O's and an exclamation point, baby. Give me three claps and a Ric Flair. Uh, Speaking of woos, Marty, let's talk about our guy Sam Pittman at SEC Media Days really quick. Legend. What was your uh, takeaway, like the number one quote, from SEC Media Days. Did you hear any of the stuff in the big room, or are you and McGee so insulated that you guys have your own? We're on an island out there in the wilderness kind of all by ourselves, and 
we're interviewing people normally while other coaches are doing their formal addresses. Yeah. Uh, we had an amazing time. I can't wait for you guys to see uh, Marty and McGee talking season. This is the fourth year we've done it. I think it's going to be August 12th and 13th. Make sure to update you guys who are big SEC football fans before that. But we interviewed all 14 coaches. Brian Kelly was amazing. Coach Pitt was amazing. We had Kirby Rowland. Um, we got uh, deep into the Saban Jimbo thing with both of those guys. Well, I'm glad somebody uh, asked him about it because no one wanted to ask Saban in the big room. About I asked him the, straight to his face about the Jimbo Fisher thing, but they were fine to ask Jimbo Fisher about it in the big room. So that didn't really uh, that didn't really sit well with me. Well, I I mean, look, then watch Marty and McGee talking season because we got into it with Coach Saban, and um, like you know, I. The thing about the Jimbo side, we're not getting off on this tangent. We'll share this for October 8th when we're actually going to play the game. Um, but the thing about the Jimbo side that, that I feel like I have at least a little bit of decent insight on is this. I know where that man's from because for all intents and purposes, I'm from the same place. I mean, we grew up in very similar areas. Um, I used to actually go – my parents used to take me to his hometown – Clarksburg to the West Virginia State Fair because I love John Deere tractors so much and they had this massive John Deere display area at, at the uh, West Virginia State Fair anyway where we're from if somebody comes at you we have this innate like the, it, it's I don't know if insecurity is the right term but we just all have a chip on our shoulder everybody that's from out that way and so if somebody comes at you, you're going to damn sure try to fight your way out if somebody paints you in a corner. And so, I mean, again, I've never seen scorched earth like that. We'll talk about it much, much more as we get back towards October 8th when the Texas Aggies make their way to, uh, to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to take on a Tide. Yeah, not only is it one West Virginia, it's two West Virginias it taking is. on West and, Virginia. And, you know, Coach Saban grew up in Monongah which uh, I know where he's from, too. You have to drive from Parisburg, where I live, you have to drive basically through Monongah to get uh, up to, to Morgantown. And y'all know the great stories that I've shared, that Coach Saban shared with me about his youth and going to see West Virginia play football with his family and his dad and whatnot, but we'll get into that later. But I enjoyed the hell out of SEC media days. We are great. I mean, we get to spend 20, 25 minutes with each of these folks. But I'll tell you, you want to know what interview stood out the absolute most to me? Yep. Which surprised me, if I'm being honest. Tank Bigsby, the running back for War Dam Eagle. He had some very thoughtful quotes. I don't know what he said to y'all, <laughs> but just throughout the weekend, I noticed he was very reflective on his time at Auburn and coming back after the transfer portal flirtation. So, I'm sure you got some good stuff, what, too. What really struck me the most was, and I don't want to give too much away, but listening to that young man, just, just, just he just stripped the veneer and the bravado of being a, a big-time college football player and share with us, watching his mother – work herself to the absolute bone to better his life and how he wants so desperately to repay that to her. And I just can't wait for you guys to see that interview. We were, we were speechless at how awesome Tank was. And my hope is that I get to do a big feature on him for SEC Nation uh, and or college game day this year, this season, because that young man with what he shared with us deserves that platform to share that path. But uh, you were there for Dogs so, HQ. What did you learn? What, what, what did well, you take away from it? Well, look, that was the greatest thing you heard. Um, the greatest thing I heard on my day that I was there really wasn't from Georgia at all. Obviously, we covered it all at dogshq.com. Um, and it's spelled the correct way, D-A-W-G-S-H-Q.com. Um, but the best thing I heard that day was from Sam Pittman in the big room talking about the hog statue situation he has at his lake house. Oh, yeah. 
and it slobbers into the lake. It's like a water feature. But someone asked him about it, and uh, I think it was someone from Saturday Down South, maybe Connor O'Gara. I can't remember. But uh, originally, he gave the story. Originally, the owner before him had marlins by the lake, which actually makes less sense than having hogs by a lake. And everyone was giving Sam crap for having hogs that slobber water out by a lake. But, you know, that actually, that could actually happen. There aren't marlins in a lake. So they take the marlin statue out that was shooting water and they actually replace it with the hogs. And that's why they were, they were slobbering. And uh, Sam Pittman described that in great detail. Um, so that was good. I, I loved what Kirby said about Georgia's not going to be hunted. You know, they're going to hunt. That was a good quote that I can tell he, he worked on for a little bit, probably bounced some ideas off of Claude Felton, the Georgia SID, to really hammer that home. Uh, Stetson and, and Nolan Smith and Cedric Van Pran were the players that came. Uh, Nolan Smith, I feel like, is the perfect defensive leader for Georgia in this transitional period between having – you know, eight defensive uh, players drafted. You know, Nolan Smith is is really going to hold the fort down as a leader for Georgia, really entertaining guy. Uh, and then the mailman, a lot of people wondered if he would even go because he is so unpredictable behind a mic, but he's the dude, he's QB1, and you can't really go to SEC media days without a 30-year-old starting quarterback like Stetson Bennett. So uh, it was a good time. Uh, I was glad we to see you and McGee, too. and it was good to run into you guys as always. So, fun time. Now I'm actually ready for some real football. Uh, and and chatting with him was amazing too. Uh, we chatted with a bunch of players, and I say all the time, and I'll say it till I retire. Most underreported part of college football is the quality of the young men playing the game. They're awesome, awesome people, and glad I got to fellowship with them. Great to see you too, brother. Boys, another great episode. Thanks so much to the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and uh, and taking time to share his emotion. I mean, hearing him say, I'm nervous. I never thought I'd hear that out of the Nature Boy ever. Mm. So, really tells you. Yeah, that's what's going undoctored. On we didn't edit should, that I, together. He actually said that. So, I should have asked him, like, do you need like a, a guy in your corner to walk out with? Like, I, I can carry some things. Like, what do you need, you know, some help? I could, you know, I should have tried to weasel my way in i messed up i missed my spot so we ran out of internet over to coffee shop mom i had to come back over here to finish it lanester and mia just got back and they're trying to tiptoe around like they're gonna like they're gonna interrupt my podcast as yep. if i mean a, a you know tornado could come through and we would figure it out but thanks so much to law enforcement officials all over the country working to keep our community safe first responders firemen thank you for your heroism every day the United States military, so grateful to be free. Thank you guys for your sacrifice. We live in the greatest nation. Travis, go get an IV. Love y'all. See ya. Peace.